Uh, welcome. It's good to be together and good to be sharing in uh, worship today and in the presence and the power of God. It's good to be sharing. If you're on site, I, I'm sorry if you guys are engaging with us online, you're missing the wonderful smells that are here you know, because we smell the pancakes and stuff from the pancake breakfast that's going on, but we'll talk about more about that in a minute. But I want to say welcome. I'm Pastor Rafe, and we're here to worship and praise our God and to uh, lift up the glory of God in the in all the presence and power that there is of God here among us as we share together in worship today. So uh, let us enter into worship with prayer and with song and with our hearts that are open for the movement of God. Let us uh, come together in song. This is the day that the Lord has made. What are you going to do about it? You're going to rejoice and be glad in it? Amen, amen, amen. So let us give every praise to the King of Kings. Is that amen?
All right, so um, a little while ago, I, uh, I mentioned that if you're here in the room, you all smell it? Yeah, <laughs> I'll smell the pancake. I, I asked them very specifically, please don't pipe the uh, bacon smell in because nobody will pay attention to songs or anything. But as we think about how we pray and engage and give and serve as part of the foundations of how we live out our faith, you're going to ask, why in the world are pancakes on a Sunday morning, why, wh- how are pancakes part of that? And the thing is, we're coming into the season of Lent, and what's happening is that our youth group are doing a pancake breakfast. They're raising money so they can engage in summer camp and be a part of the summer camp experience, and we're helping everybody financially be able to participate in summer camp. So that's the practical reason of why we're doing it here. But why do we choose pancakes? Well, there's these old traditions of how we enter into the Lenten season and come into the Lenten season. And one of that is to clean ourselves, because Lent is supposed to be this time of, uh, of, uh, of changing our faith life patterns so that we are growing in faith. And part of that is a cleansing. And so pancakes just come when you clean out your refrigerator and you take the last few things of flour and the last few little bits of milk or whatever and you make pancakes and that's your dinner. And that's where the Shrove Tuesday idea came from. We've turned it into Mardi Gras and all kinds of other things over the years. But, uh, but it would traditionally be done on Tuesday. We're doing it, of course, on a Sunday morning. But this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and we enter into the season of Lent. And as we enter into the season of Lent, it is a time for thinking and focusing in again on our spiritual lives. And maybe eating a pancake today will help us do that. Think, okay, I've got to get ready for Lent. I've got to start preparing and and getting ready of what I'm planning on on doing and taking on for Lent. And on Ash Wednesday in the evening, we'll have an Ash Wednesday service um, with the imposition of ashes and and worship time. Um, Next weekend on Saturday, there is a ladies' retreat. The women of the church are having a retreat to focus in on their spiritual lives and focus in on on unity in the midst of our diversity. Um, Next Sunday, the first Sunday of March, the first Sunday of the Lenten season, we will have one worship service, one time of worship at 10 o'clock. It will include Holy Communion, and we'll share in Holy Communion. We'll have guests with us that will be sharing in that day and and hopefully bringing in new members and such. There will be a day of celebration, so hope you'll be a part of that at the Lenten season. We also will be beginning um, some studies that are specific for the Lenten season, and you can find that online, and you can find that uh, call in the church office, but we need for you to to sign up and register for those so we can plan for for that. So there will be times of prayer and Bible study with small groups that are happening at very very many different times. Does that work? Very many? (laughs) Many different times uh, in different formats. Some will be online via Zoom. Some will be hybrid. Some will be in person. And so there are just all kinds of opportunities for us as we enter into this season of Lent. And so I encourage you to, uh, if you're here, smell the pancakes, taste a, uh, a food of cleaning out your refrigerator uh, this week, and enter in and prepare to enter into a season of heightened focus on our spiritual lives as we pray for one another in the church, as we engage our spiritual lives in one another in community, as we give and you know, raise our giving maybe for these 40 days of Lent and then to find ways that we can serve and serve others during uh, this very holy season. So let us enter into the season of Lent with all kinds of awe and expectation and prayer that God is, is and will be doing great things in our lives. Amen and amen. Good morning. I'm Pastor Lisa, if you'll bow your heads for this morning's prayer. Father God, we gather as strangers and friends, near and far, unified in you through your spirit, searching together for new ways to live and to follow you. We are so grateful that you have granted us another day another day to be excited to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We know we are welcomed into your presence this day by your gracious hospitality, Lord. We praise you, our extraordinary God, for the holiness of ordinary things around us, the gathering of fellow believers, a song of praise, 
a prayer of thanksgiving, a word, a loaf of bread, a cup, a fountain of water. Send your spirit to blow across us as we share this time together. Refresh those places that have gotten weary or weak. Allow the spirit to seep into the crevices of our hearts, our minds, our souls, that we might know you more fully and worship you more deeply. Help us to have unity of mind and heart as we open ourselves to this movement of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as your love grows within us, may we have rich fellowship with you and with one another. Grant us today that we will lay aside our cares, our anxieties, to concentrate our thoughts on you alone. Open us to the teaching and guidance for living which we receive, that we will be strengthened to walk with you and follow wherever you lead us. Through Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Would you stand with us?
Don't you just love that music on Sunday mornings? It is awesome. I was, I was caught by um, a phrase in the song a little earlier. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. And you don't recognize that. You know, often, um, uh, so, well, I should say sometimes, no, often, preachers preach to themselves. You know, it's messages that, that we need to hear. And even when you don't know it, he's working. So I set up, or as a church, as a leadership of the church, the pastors, we kind of look at themes, you know, for, for preaching and for worship, you know, a few months out so that music and everybody else can be on the same page. And so it was weeks ago that I read this passage that was designated for to this day and uh, was caught by that one word in it, the overwhelmed. And I said, oh, you know, this might be a good little message. And little did I know that as we come to this time and come to this day, that God has been working. And this was a scripture and a message I think I need to hear today as we share together. So from Luke chapter 9, this is kind of like a, a central axis point of the gospel story. And here we have a mountaintop encounter with uh, Jesus and his disciples and his transfiguration, how Jesus looks different from Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. About eight days after, after Jesus said these things, he, he took Peter, John, and James, and he went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As these two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. We should construct, construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. And they entered the cloud. They were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless, speechless, and at the time told no one what they had seen. They came down from the mountain. And as they came down from the mountain, there was the disciples there that were working with the followers of Jesus. And they were working with this crowd of folks that were there. And as they were working with that, that crowd of folks, there was a boy that they could not heal. And so as they came down off that mountain, the man turned to Jesus and he, he, said, he said, Please, sir, you can heal my son. Your disciples tried, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus responded with, oh, how long do I have to deal with all these folks? You know, and, uh, and he healed the boy. And the crowd, it says, the crowd was overwhelmed, caught with awe, speechless, and they were overwhelmed. This is a story that over and over again speaks of the overwhelming power and presence of God. And like I said, sometimes we pastors preach to ourselves because I'm overwhelmed. I, I really am these days. I am extremely overwhelmed. And well, how many of us are feeling overwhelmed these days? The world has certainly changed. I, I, I might think of it like this. You feel overwhelmed when things don't come out the way you expected 
right? You, we expect life to happen in a certain way, and it doesn't happen that way, and all of a sudden, it becomes overwhelming. Of course, COVID is, is part of that, and uh, now we're, you know, the re-emerging and the mask mandates around the country and the culture are, are going away, and so things are changing, but our economics have changed. What we expected to be going on at this time you know, had changed, you know, we love to plan and say, you know, what, what's like, what do you, where do you see yourself in a year, in two years, in five years? Well, we didn't see ourselves here, did we? You know, schools have changed, jobs have, have shifted, uh, things are not what we expected, and COVID has had a part of that. But also, even without COVID, there's life. There's life that brings those dramatic events that put us in a place where we never expected to be. You know, maybe it's a family, the, the drama or the crisis within a family that, that can happen, and we didn't expect that. Or an illness, you know, that diagnosis that comes. And all of a sudden, everything of life is changed, not only for the one who's ill, but for all those around them. Or a life crisis happens. A life crisis happens and and all of a sudden, everything is different. We're feeling overwhelmed. And now, guess what? We have a war. There's a war in Europe. And with the way the media works today, and I don't know, I think people shooting guns can have a GoPro on their helmet, you know, and everybody in the world can see it happen as it happens. And we're going to be caught up in that. And it's going to affect our lives. And we think, oh, yeah, our gas prices are going to go up, but we're also going to see the images of those who are sacrificing everything to protect their country and their homeland and their families and their children. And we're going to watch it and see it unfold before us. It's going to have global effects. There's going to be innocent victims. It's going to have implications for all of the, all of, for everyone. When things do not turn out as we expected, we get overwhelmed. We are overwhelmed. And in this scripture that we share in today, there's overwhelming that's happening all over the place. Peter and James and John went up on a mountain, and they expected to be on a prayer retreat with Jesus. That's where they were expected to be. They were expected to be on a prayer retreat with Jesus. They were going up there to pray. And here's the thing, I bet they had done this before, right? They had gone and been with Jesus in prayer before. This is probably part of their pattern. They had gone up there and do this prayer time. And when this prayer time comes, they're overcome with awe, it says. They're overcome with awe. They're left speechless. They don't really know what to do. They're kind of fumbling around. Oh, Jesus, let's, let's mark this momentous occasion with, with something permanent that's here, you know? And so they're overwhelmed. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're overcome by the power and the presence of God. But then as they come off of that mountain and, and that story is finishing and they're coming down the mountain, you know, they have these other disciples that are there. And these disciples, they've been overwhelmed too because Jesus didn't like leave them there twiddling their thumbs. They still had the work of ministry to do. They were still carrying out the work. Previously, they had already been sent out two by two, to go into towns and to go into villages and, and proclaim the good news, and, and, uh, and they'd seen miraculous works of God. And so when Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, those other ones that were left there, they still had work. They still had ministry. And the ministry had become overwhelming for them because now there were things that they couldn't do, and the crowds had come around, and there were all kinds of people there. And they, I would have to imagine, having been in ministry, um, that they felt kind of overwhelmed and kind of overtaken and, and lost and not knowing what to do next. And Jesus shows up and says, oh, they still haven't gotten it yet, you know. And so Jesus does a healing, and the healing probably overwhelmed that father and that son. And it said that the crowd around them was overwhelmed, that they were left speechless. When was the last time you felt overwhelmed by the power and the presence of God? I know we probably kind of run from that. 
Because when God becomes overwhelming, it does overwhelm and our lives are very different. Our lives are very, very different. When was the last time you felt overwhelmed by God, overcome by awe? It left you speechless. You know, the work of ministry these days, of course, is overwhelming. You've heard me talk about how we're, you know, as we emerge out of these last two years, we're having to reform the church, kind of put the form and the things back together. But here's the thing. Nothing is as we expected. Nothing is as we expected. We have this beautiful new building we call the Mission Building. I'm pointing this way because it's behind me on our campus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's tables up in there that you can have your pancakes at if you, you know, if you want to. But um, um, we've been using it for, for almost a year. But here's the thing. Six, five, six years ago, when we started putting ideas and plans and pencil to paper and putting this together, it was for a different purpose. It was for different reasons than it's being used for. Um, it, uh, it, it took on a whole life of its own. Different things had, had changed. It cost us a whole lot more than anticipated. Not, not bad costs. We did good things. We, uh, we, we did all kinds of stuff that were necessary for the city and were better for the church. And uh, we took care of all kinds of maintenance that needed to be done. And so good work was done. But when we put pencil to paper and, and figured out the dollars and cents of all of that, we figured that we would be in a different financial place than we find ourselves now. The debt is a whole lot more than we anticipated. And so we have to address that. And so we're plan we planned one thing, but a different thing emerged. And so we feel a little overwhelmed. But that's just one thing. You know, we have a West Campus, that, and I'm pointing that way because that's West, <laughs> that's almost out towards uh, 27. It's a warehouse. And four years ago or, or so, when we started that partnership with the community of faith that was out there that was known as Everglades Community, um, and we began that work. It started with a certain expectation and where we were headed, and we listened and we worked together, and then we had this energy that was going to move into this certain direction and where we were going to go and what we were going to do, and then two huge stumbling blocks fell in our way, and of course, one of them was COVID, and things went fallow, and uh, and we had to not be present for a while, and there were other another stumbling block that was there, and all of a sudden, the energy was, was gone and lost, and, uh, and we have this wonderful resource and the resource of the people of that community that are part of New Horizon, but the energy for the ministry in that place um, had shifted and changed in a, in a great way, and so it's not what we expected. It's not what we expected, and now dealing with that is kind of overwhelming. And who would have expected five, six years ago when our pack-a-sack were some you know, snacks in backpacks and bags for kids at school for the weekend has turned into the ministry that it is today, how, what it morphed into over the last couple of years. We didn't expect this, but this is what it is. And this is what we're dealing with. And it's using uh, uh, the resources here in a different way and, and volunteers and people and space and buildings in a different way than we ever anticipated. Partnerships in the community that are wonderful partnerships but, and that we would have never have gotten into without this happening in this way. But it's not what we were expecting. And so things are, are different. And so in almost every way of church life, there are things that we planned and stewarded staff and people and job descriptions for one vision of a church, but it's something different. We budgeted and planned for budgets and income and outflow and, and ministry expenses, and we planned, but it's become something different. We have resources, wonderful resources and facilities that we expected to use in one way, and we're using them in different ways. In each story, the power of God is at work, but it's not what we planned for. It's not what we expected. And so it becomes a bit overwhelming. Ministry can be that way. I know in my life, I've been overwhelmed numerous times by the power and the presence of God. 
I keep smelling those pancakes. That makes me think of camp. Camp at Leesburg has certainly overwhelmed me from time to time in my experiences there. But um, I have been overwhelmed by the power and the presence of God every time I have been to Cuba. Every time I've gone on mission to Cuba, I have been absolutely overwhelmed. Um, uh, It leaves me in awe. And it leaves me speechless what's going on there. The, the Christians there have faced challenges um, that w- we may be facing something similar these days in reemerging from COVID. We have the responsibility, right, of stewarding God's resources and God's presence and power. And there's so much to steward in people resources and financial resources and facility resources and all the different things. There's so much to do. And the church in Cuba had the same thing. Because here's the way it works there. And with their government is the church can exist and the church can continue and the church can do it work. You, you can't do, you know, overt evangelism out in the street in the community, but you can function in the churches and the church buildings and the church parsonages and homes and stuff like that. But you have to keep functioning. The minute a facility does not get used, it becomes the property of the government and it gets used for something else. And so for decades, the people in Cuba had to continue to use the facilities, even though their lives and livelihood and world has changed over and over again over the last few decades. And so every time I've been, I have just been overwhelmed by how they have found a way, a way through and a way to deal with all of the resources and blessings God has given them and how they can keep going. And mostly they keep going by just committed people, by people who are committed to to keep going. So the first time I went to Cuba, I was overwhelmed by the worship. The worship and the people invested in worship and the number of people that were making worship happen was just unbelievable. The, the music didn't let you sit or stand still. You had to move. It, well, at least this guy with Cuban blood, I had to move, you know. And so, uh, you, you know, you, you had to move. And what caught me, you know, I, I'm a theater guy, and so every worship service had these little dramas in it, and they would reenact the stories. Like the story today, you would reenact, and Jesus would appear in dazzling white, and they'd have lights and music and, and all that kind of stuff. Or the story of Jesus raising the little girl from her deathbed and taking her by the hand and lifting her up. Or the blind man being able to see, or the man being told to pick up his mat and walk, and he'd pick it up and he'd walk. And every time the man would pick up his mat and walk, or Jesus would appear in dazzling white, or the girl would have her hand lifted, and whatever drum it was, whenever that miracle moment had, the place went nuts. Like someone had yelled, Go! You know? That someone had scored. And the place went nuts. You thought the buildings that they had been caring for for decades were going to come down because they were rattling so much. They were overwhelmed by the power and the presence of God, and it overwhelmed me. The second time that I went to Cuba, I was overwhelmed by the commitment of the people. We went as a part of a, of a district delegation that was with meeting our sister district. And we were at their district conference. And I know you're thinking, church conferences, that's got to be the most boring thing in the world. Not in Cuba, okay? It was full of those kinds of worship services. But also what they would do is they would dedicate, they would commission all of the people that are struggling through their lives and struggling with just their livelihoods and having food on the table. They would dedicate all those people who did even more by committing themselves to service and taking on the training so that they could become uh, lay leaders in their church and lead small groups, and lead Bible studies, and do that quiet evangelism work of hosting things in their homes so that people could come and read, and read the Bible and come to know Christ. And literally, you know, there were hundreds of these people that had given themselves to this kind of training and dedication and committed service. It was overwhelming. It left me absolutely speechless. And these people were so committed, let me tell you what they did. They found out that some folks were trying to get a hold of me from the outer community. turned out that they were blood relations, cousins. And this church folks worked out all the details that was necessary for me to have an afternoon to go visit my grandfather's sister and her children and cousins that I had never met before and that my dad had not seen in 40 years. 
left speechless, huh? So the third time I went to Cuba, we went just a few years ago from here, from here at New Horizons to visit our sister church in Pinar del Rio. And uh, what I was overwhelmed by there was the depth of our relationship that God instills in people who are so far apart. We had been in prayer, in this prayer relationship with each other and, and praying uh, together, but we had never met. In fact, when we landed at the airport and our group came through with all this luggage and gifts and stuff that we had brought, we were like, how do we recognize the person that's supposed to pick us up? You know, we've never seen them before, never met them before, but God made a way. And their hospitality was phenomenal and unbelievable and what they gave and they, they shared with us. And, of course, we had some stuff, uh, donations and stuff that all of you had, uh, had given, that we had given from New Horizons and we took with them. But there was a depth of the relationship that just overwhelmed me. It was like they already knew us and were welcoming family. And they would walk us around and they'd say, thank you. And they'd point at the roof and I'd see this new tin roof. And they said, this is because of you and our prayer together. You know, this is because of you. And they were, they were just so gracious and they... They provided for our stay, they provided for our food, they provided for, for everything, and there was this depth that happened that I would not have ever have expected from people that just shared emails, but a depth of relationship. Sometimes God is just overwhelming in the midst of our lives and where we feel overwhelmed. And I trust me, folks, I know that we feel overwhelmed these days, whether it's about the ministry of the church or it's about our global situation or it's about our work or our families. We feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. Everybody feels overwhelmed. But here's the thing. In each of these stories, whether it's the story of the Scripture and the disciples, the stories of our church, the stories of, of going to Cuba, our own personal stories, here's the one thing that I've seen that is the common denominator in every single one of them. Jesus is there. And not just is Jesus there, but the radiant, transformative, transfiguring glory of God in Jesus Christ chooses to be with you and me and is here among us and with us. Coming to a an understanding of that is overwhelming. That the God of all glory, that the God of all power, that the God of everything and creative of everything chooses in all of that glory to be here with us in Jesus Christ. The full glory of God chooses to be with the disciples in this story we read chooses to be with the church in the journey that we are taking in faith, chooses to be with you and me in the crisis and the experiences of life that we face. No matter how overwhelming the challenges that we face today, Jesus is with us, and the glory of God will surprise us. It's not what we expected, right? But we will be overcome. And we will be left with a sense of awe and speechlessness. In whatever we face, Jesus is there. No matter how overwhelming life and ministry is today, God is going to overwhelm us with a power and a presence in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Most gracious God, we are grateful that your radiant glory overwhelmed those disciples on a mountain that day. We are grateful that your radiant glory has overwhelmed us in our lives and for many of us we have had an experience of your presence and power in the most crucial moments. Lord, we are even overwhelmed today as we experience your presence and power. 
and feel your spirit move in our hearts and sense the radiance of your glory among us. And Lord, we pray that you that you fill us with a, a courage to cling to the promise that you will overwhelm us with your power and presence in the days ahead in whatever we face. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let us respond to God with our song. Let us respond to God with our acts of service. Let us respond to God's overwhelming presence with our giving and with our praying and with all things. But let us come to our feet and respond to God in, in song at this moment. God is awesome, awe-inspiring, all-giving, all-encompassing. Go now, and may the awesomeness of God's presence and power and glory overwhelm you. May the transformation of Jesus Christ fill your heart with a transformative power. Amen and amen.